welcome to the World Transformed. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic, not to mention amazing. And one other thing I am, alive. So I'm feeling good about all of that. How are are you, my friend? Well, I'm also feeling good about you being alive uh, and that I'm here to appreciate it. I'm alive also. And uh, (laughs) so that's a good thing. And that's what we're all about tonight. We're going to talk about the 50 most important life-saving breakthroughs in history. This was a wonderful little infographic put together by Jeff Desjardins. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly there, Jeff, over at Visual Capitalist. And it's just awesome. It's it's a list of the things that have saved the most lives over the last 168 years. They start in 1850, and they work right up until, well, 2016 is the most recent, so uh, 116 years. Excuse me, uh, 100 and whatever that is, 66 years. So here it is, the things that have saved the most lives. And it, it takes an interesting turn around the year 2000, because obviously some of these are just coming online, and they don't tell you for sure how many they've saved. For example, when we get to nanotechnology, it says how many lives saved? Inestimable, right? Uh, Same with artificial intelligence. How many lives saved? You can't even begin to count. And we'll talk a little bit about how potentially life-saving those technologies can be. But I'll tell you, just looking at the first 150 years or so of life-saving technologies, it's pretty darn amazing and pretty encouraging. The first one in the year 1850 is anesthesia. And then we get things like toilets and pasteurization and synthetic fertilizers, which we've talked about. We've talked about the Green Revolution and Norman Borlaug and the number of lives that have been saved just through better farming. But as you work through this list, you get a real idea that we we have gotten a lot better over the last century and a half at keeping human beings alive, haven't we? Yeah. If I were to change anything about Jeff's list, I'd have him go back just a little bit earlier. Because there are a couple of things that occurred before the 1850s that are pretty, pretty important. I would say canning is a big thing. Yep. Uh, uh, that was in the late 1700s. It was a contest put, put in place by none other than Napoleon Bonaparte. He wanted, he wanted some way to get preserved food uh, to his troops in the field. It was a Parisian chef, I believe, that, uh, that invented a way to, uh, to, to do canning. Whether or not the chef understood exactly what he was doing, it whether he he had any concept of the germ theory of disease or not, what he did was uh, basically boil it till there's you know there's no there's no germs uh, available and got it quickly into an airtight container that'll preserve food. Even well. without a even without the germ theory of disease, they had to know that food went bad, and that right. and that sometimes it didn't go bad as fast. So somebody made somehow they made that leap. It's like, well, we're going to boil it, and we're going to put it in an airtight container, and then boom, there you go. Yeah, I I can see where that not only saved a lot of lives, but just enabled a lot of lives, right? Enabled a lot of people to have food who weren't going to have food before. Well, I mean, just just think of how how it made it so much easier to get through the winter in all these places and in various places. Just not even the transportation of food, but just the being able to eat food that you put away from your garden all through – the, the colder seasons, things like that. We tend to take things like that for granted, but it enabled a lot of lives, as you said. If you had five kids, you, you might manage to get two or three of them to adulthood back in those days. And with, with things like canning, uh, it made it possible perhaps to get four out of five of them. To, uh, well, what's interesting is if you look at this list, most of them are small change, you know, just saved 
yeah, 50 million lives or something like that, you know. But but even then, 50 million here, 50 million there. After a while, you're talking about some serious life saving. Uh, I kid. Uh, some of them are even smaller than that, you know, just a few million or or whatever. But it's all obviously really serious stuff. But you look at the big right. ones: toilets, a billion people; synthetic fertilizers, yeah. a billion people; blood transfusions, a billion; vaccines, a billion. I mean, these are the, the and the green revolution that we that we referenced a billion. And in fact, that green revolution and the synthetic fertilizers both saved a billion lives. They saved them by people not starving to death. That's how they did it. And I would say canning is probably right up there. So you can probably add a billion, right, yeah. to to this list. It's probably in that same category. And that's interesting because I added everything up prior to the year 2000 last night as I was looking over this list and. Just, do you want to ballpark how many lives have been saved by everything on this list? I'm sure there's some overlap. There, there are many people alive today because of... No, don't. Hey, st- give me my deal, okay? I want to say that part. <laughs> okay. What's, oh, I, what's, I don't the, know. what's uh, the number? Okay. 20 billion people, Phil. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Actually, it's about 6 billion, which is interesting okay. because by the year 2000, that's about how many people there were on, on Earth. And to your point, absolutely, you're correct. There's bound to be overlap in there. What it, does that mean? It saved every single life on Earth? No, they didn't save every life on Earth, but they saved several, many lives, or excuse me, a lot of lives, More many times over. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Some people are here because they had toilets and because they had pasteurized milk, and you know, there, there were a lot of different ways to die. And uh, as you yeah. astutely tried to take that from me, but I, I snatched it back. <laughs> Sorry about that, Phil. <laughs> That's okay. You know, we, we've, both, we've both got a lot of brilliant points to make. We, we don't have to guard them so jealously. Oh, anyway, if you add the canning in, then it's $7 billion. It's the, it's the population even today, right? So yeah. in, in a sense, everybody on Earth can say, yes, I am alive because of one of these. Now, are there any – if you look at them, Stephen, you can say, in particular – this one saved me, right? I am here because well, of this. Well, it's not on the list either. The, but the one that say that I can say, I quite possibly would not be here today, uh, would be IV fluids. It's the simplest thing in the world. The simplest mm, medical right, care in the right. world saved my life when I was about twenty years of age. I, I mean, it was coming out of both ends. Okay, Phil. I mean, for about two days, Ooh, wow. I literally couldn't get any water down couldn't get any right. water into me. And, and it was at that point that my, my, I just told my parents, look, I'm too weak to get up. Call an ambulance or get me to the hospital. They got me to the hospital, and as soon as they got in there, the doctor, like, uh, pinches my, the skin on the back of my hand, and mm-hmm. it stayed up. Okay? The oh, skin wow. did not relax back. It stayed up. And he says, oh, man, this, this, uh, this kid is dangerously dehydrated. I mean, stat, get fluids into this, uh, him right now with IV fluids. And it was well over three bags of fluids later. It was like something like uh, uh, three liters or four liters of fluid that they put into me. And, of course, in addition to the, uh, the fact that they were getting fluids into me, which was essential. Also, there was an anti-nausea medicine and anti-diarrhea medicine. And, man, they got me in there probably about 11 o'clock at night. And I walked out of that hospital, walked out at about 3 a.m., feeling like a million bucks. I wow. Mean, that How was, about that? And then helped with the drive home. We, I was in New Mexico. Helped with the drive home back to Louisiana the following day, feeling fine. I mean, I was as good as new. But had I not had that at that moment, with that level of dehydration, you're risking, uh, you're ris- you're risking cardiac arrest. Absolutely. You know? 
so when does that date back to? Uh, the first time that was tried by doctors was in the 1830s in, in response to cholera. Right. Uh, but uh, it really wasn't widely available, believe it or not, Phil, until the 1950s. IV right? fluids, uh, wow. and, 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 which I found remarkable. I mean, it's like the simplest thing ever, right? I mean, it's not modern medicine until you don't, you don't have a drip, right? That one should be on there. Reason. That's huge. Yeah. 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 Maybe they just they don't have a good they don't have a good estimate for it. I think perhaps. that may be the one time in my life that medical intervention saved my life, right? Yeah. Uh, but anything uh, stand out for you? Uh, mine is also not on the list, but it's better prenatal care. My right. mother very nearly miscarried me and had to go on a drug to prevent her from miscarrying. And as it was, I was very prematurely born, but she was able to stay pregnant long enough for me to come to term and, and be born as a preemie rather than, than not be lost. And I'm thinking that, that is, there's got to be millions of lives, right, from, from those kinds right. of treatments that, that started in the 40s and 50s and uh, have, have become even better improved in the decades since then. I, I'm, I'm guessing there's another 100 million people probably on, on the planet today thanks to, right. thanks to that kind of stuff. But it doesn't, it doesn't show up. But, you know, the IV, that reminds me of another one here which is in 1968, oral rehydration therapy, which is uh, along with probably water chlorination and pasteurization, there have been several big steps against what we've talked about in the past is probably the biggest killer of all on earth, which is diarrhea. Um, right. your, your, your IV is, uh, is another treatment for that as well. People get dysentery and they die from diarrhea. It sounds crazy. It doesn't sound like that's the thing that would kill that many people, but it consistently is the number one killer. And a lot of these big, big numbers attached to them, life-saving things, have been things that have taken that on. Or oral right. uh, hydration therapy is basically just giving people Gatorade. Well, I mean, just right? flush toilets. I mean, you know, yeah. we, we, you mentioned that earlier this evening, but that's huge. That's right. For, you know, yeah, once you have uh, that sort of hygiene, and enclosed sewer lines, no open sewage flowing uh, out, in, out in the community, right? Once you have things like that, it just cuts the number of so far down. So, yeah, it, it, diarrhea is, is not quite the killer it was when you first pointed this out to me, uh, Phil, probably about six or seven years ago. Right, you, uh, right. And I, I, I said, it's, is that really the biggest killer? And I checked it. Yeah, it was. We've made strides. As we continue to make progress, it'll it'll be it'll that'll be the thing that that gives up more deaths, right? That allows more people to right. live is, is is continuing to take action against that. And if you look down the list, there are things that will help there too. Desalina, desalination, right? Taking salt out right. of water, getting people fresh water, getting people clean water. It's just it's a huge part of keeping people alive. And speaking of things to come, what do you see on the list that grabs your attention? What's, what's coming next that you think is life-saving? And is there anything that you can think of that should be on there that you didn't see? Well, um, curing cancer. That's a, that would be a big one, wouldn't it? I put down a link here. The new technique developed by researchers at Stanford University uses two agents, when, which combine alert the body's immune system to the presence of cancer in order to eliminate it. Uh, and, of course, we sort of lightheartedly refer to some things like this as the, the cure of the week to, to cancer. We see so many things that could potentially be the, the silver bullet, right, that yep. uh, it, might, it may not be this, probably won't be this. But uh, of the 50 things we mention a year, practically, maybe just one or two of them allow us to make serious strides. It sounds like we're being glib and that we don't take it seriously. But when we talk about a weekly cure for cancer, 
that is one of the reasons I'm glad to be alive in this era, right? Is that we That's can right. talk about That's that. That's right. I we are it's not amazing. It's the opposite of glib. We're we're it, thrilled about it. Yeah. And, it, it's 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 an it, it's an incredibly exciting time to be alive when there's a weekly cure for cancer. And this one sounds right. very promising. One injection and the tumors shut down and that it seems to function on all different kinds of cancer and it seems to be preventative in in cancer starting back up. So the research up to this point is in mice, and as we have noted so many times, mice are not just little humans, so you can't look at that research and say, yay, it's going to work exactly the same way for humans, but it's very, very encouraging. It works on the immune system, immune-stimulating agents, and they're going to give it a try with people, so here's hoping. Here's hoping that this one gets yeah. added to the list, right? That would be that would be one to add. Here's another one to add, Phil. Artificial organs, and I, actually, I don't have to add that to the list. It's on the list. But but here's the thing: we constantly compare that. Well, w- will we have the Luke Skywalker hand, right? You know, prosthetic, or will we be able to regrow limbs? Which happens first, right? And when it comes to artificial organs, do we get the perfect artificial heart that works as well as our own heart, or do we learn to clone a heart in a vat that's genetically indistinguishable? No no problems with rejection. And you put it straight into the person, and it, and it works fine. When I look at this item, because they, they date it to the year 2011, artificial hearts have been around since well before that. They've been building artificial oh, hearts yeah. since the late 70s. So, in fact, I wonder if in 2011 they're actually referring to something like what you just described, that by artificial organs they mean, because they say for transplant, maybe they mean something that's been cloned or grown. But We saw uh, the young man who, uh, who had the backpack heart, right? Lived yep. for for a long time with a backpack heart before he was able to get his transplant. I think it probably helped that he was otherwise uh, quite healthy and young. Right. Um, that it served as a bridging technology for him. That worked well for him. Right now, the best option for somebody who needs a heart transplant uh, is something that can bridge them until they can get there. And usually that's something simpler like a pacemaker or, or a stent or something like mm-hmm. that. But in the case of some patients, they've got to have a, something like this backpack heart, backpack artificial heart that will allow them to live hopefully long enough to get to that transplant. What we need instead is uh, instead of them waiting for, uh, for a heart that's a, a close enough genetic match that it can just, you know, that it can barely, you can barely get by on immunosuppressants the rest of your life. What if it was the perfect heart for you? And uh, that's that's really what we need to do. The perfect living heart. That's right. So yeah. so I'm not I'm not really 100 percent sure which they're referring to here in this one. But I think yeah. either way, 150 thousand a year is probably a conservative estimate. And when you consider that they say nanotechnology is inestimable, artificial intelligence is inestimable, I'm going to say artificial organs for transplant is going to be literally billions of lives over the long term that will be, right. that, that will be saved by that one. I think that that one is going to be enormous. And with that, we've gone a little past our time, but this is just such a great topic. We could talk about oh, yeah. life-saving inventions all night. It's one of our favorite things to talk about. You know, it's not just the things that have intervened in our own lives, Phil. It's also our, our, our parents, our, our grandparents. I'd encourage our listeners not just to think about the thing that saved you potentially at one point, but what saved your parents before they had you or their, Absolutely. your grandparents. This list, it really brings it home to how fortunate we are to, uh, to live this deep into the Industrial Revolution, right? Multiple generations uh, uh, before us have, have benefited from a lot of these things. So. And our grandchildren are going to have a much bigger list. And they're going to oh, say, yeah. well, I'm glad that other stuff came around to save 
our grandparents so that we could be here. And That's I, it's, right. it, it's just going to get better. And with that, I think we're going to have to call it a show. Stephen, great talking with you. Great having you all with us. We're going to be back on Friday with a brand new show. We're going to do a full geek out. Look forward to having you all with us then. And until next time, live to see it. Mm-hmm.